0: With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season. This is Football Social Daily.
2: Everton have done it, they are staying in the Premier League. This season, the Toffees have been on the verge of history unwanted history at that as they flirted with a first-ever Premier League relegation. However, there was a different kind of history made last night as for the first time in a Premier League game, Everton came from two goals down at half-time to win 3-2. They beat Crystal Palace, securing survival and sparking wild scenes at Goodison Park. We'll analyse that as well as Burnley's 1-1 draw at Aston Villa. It's now between the Clarets and Leeds for that final relegation spot As we wheel towards the final day, however, where the Clarets hard done by, Burnley feel they have a case. And finally, with the season coming to a close at the weekend, we'll attempt to pick who we think will win the league, finish in the top four and be relegated to the championship on Sunday afternoon. It promises to be an exciting weekend. This is Football Social Daily, the daily Premier League podcast from Sports Social and a 2021 Sports Podcast Award winner. My name's Niall and with me, someone whose side is embroiled in all of the drama, Leeds fan Ian Brannan. How are you feeling, Ian?
3: Yeah, yeah, good. Bring on the weekend, yo. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're all Newcastle fans. It's all good.
2: (laughs) And talking of Newcastle fans, Marley Anderson's with us. Only a few months ago, we thought that Sunday's... Uh, game with Burnley at St. James's Park on the final day could be a relegation showdown but now Marley crack open the Nuki Browns get your feet up because the pressure is completely off yeah everyone's uh, wanting a nice little space on this um, on this sunbed next
1: to the pool aren't they with this going into this, <laughs> this last game but yeah I expected uh, I mean back in December the best I could have hoped for is a one game shootout with Burnley uh, on the last day which always looked very very interesting but now we're we're gonna sit sit back and and try and relegate them while uh, while Leeds try and stay up into the Premier League. So bring it on! We couldn't uh, couldn't be in a much more comfortable position, and we can finish top ten.
2: Well, yeah. And if you're a regular listener or a long time listener to this podcast, if you're a subscriber, which you can do by the way, wherever you get your podcasts, and that way you'll keep up to date with all the latest football social daily episodes, you'll know that Marley has had a long standing mini feud with Burnley Football Club. Um, <laughs> if, if we were to rank Marley's uh, favourite teams from best to worst in the Premier League, I think Burnley would come somewhere close to where they are in the table at the moment, <laughs> which is near to the bottom. And so for a Newcastle fan like Marley to be able to relegate Burnley, whilst also having a bit of a fondness for Leeds because you used to work there, um, it's worked out quite strangely in the end, doesn't it? It's funny how it works, isn't it? It's really funny how it works. It's... Uh... Yeah,
1: I mean now Everton are safe. Like, to be fair, it it would have been funny if Everton went down, but um, <laughs> I I probably did always want Burnley. If it, was, if it was picking one of them, it would probably be Burnley. And it's it's not it's it's just because they haven't tried. I don't think they haven't tried enough in the last eight years. They've just kept everything the same. Everything we're gonna play four four two. We're gonna lump it towards Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes and Jay Rodriguez, and we'll see if it works. And we'll scrape ten wins and we'll get forty one points and we'll stay up and. That can only run out every, you know, um, every now and again. You know, you, your luck runs out and you end up going down. But I can honestly see, <laughs> I can honestly see them scraping, scraping it together again and and falling over the line to stay up. And there'll be pitch invasions and celebrations and horses through this town centre of Burnley on Sunday afternoon. But but yeah, who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But
2: exciting one anyway. Well, I actually saw an interesting report a couple of days ago, which suggested that if Burnley stay up, then Vincent Company, the legendary Manchester City former defender, could be their new manager next season. So that's a, an interesting one, which I'm sure we'll keep a close eye on throughout the summer. But as we say, we don't know if Burnley are going to stay up. It's between them and Leeds in that final relegation spot. We'll come on to Burnley shortly because that relegation position is no longer going to be occupied by Everton. They have confirmed their Premier League survival for another season. They incredibly beat Crystal Palace by three goals to two last night after being 2-0 down at half-time. Everton Football Club, founded in 1878, had never been relegated from the top flight. And quite fittingly, that was win 1878 in top flight football for them over the hundreds or so years that they've been in existence. Um. They've secured their Premier League survival. It was almost unthinkable, Ian, that Everton could get relegated. How much of a relief is that for those involved at the club?
3: Uh, It's a great relief to those involved at Everton, but not for everybody else. (laughs) 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 But uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure it is of a great relief. I mean, it would be massive for them to go down because they, you know, maybe because they've been an ever-present in the top flight for so, you know, forever, um, that they would never have budgeted. For, for this kind of thing. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure they would struggle for the cash, but it would it would affect them over time, especially if you don't bounce back um, straight away, as we know. But yeah, it, it would have been, as a, as a non-Everton fan, I think Everton fans are relieved. Nobody else is because I think it, it would have been interesting to see how they coped with that. And I think the other half of Liverpool actually are probably a little bit disappointed this morning uh, that they've secured their uh, premiership status. It's just one of those, isn't it? and i think it's the whole frank lampard thing as well certainly for leeds it's just he's just that guy isn't he who's just got the look just the jammy guy who manages to get himself out of <laughs> teflon you know we've all ex- we've all encountered one of those in our lives either at work in our personal lives just somebody that manages to just come up smelling of roses at the right moment and he is that man and uh, well you know look good luck to him it's worked for him but uh, ah, yeah doesn't help Leeds's plight, obviously, um, it would have been good to have a, a three way sort of shootout on the on the, on the final day, where you know one team's in the relegation zone at one moment, and then next moment somebody else is, and you don't know where it's going to go, I and mean, then it would have been would have been great for the TV and stuff. Um, but hey look they've done it they've secured it they've done it with a game to go they can chill and relax and uh, they're on to next season for them
2: yeah we'll come on to Lampard and the pitch invasion as a result of the 3-2 victory over Palace in a minute but as I say Marley they were 2-0 down at half time and they looked like they weren't going to come back because they'd never done so in the history of the Premier League that they've been in it or at least since 1992 if that's our starting point they've never been 2-0 down at half time in a match and come back to win it it was a clutch result and they needed it one of those nights where they could have played that game another 30 times and they would have lost
1: yeah <laughs> absolutely i don't know how many attempts they've ever had from uh from coming from 2-0 down in the history but it's it, it could well be about 30 to be fair so you probably there's probably more fact in what you've just said than you think <laughs> um yeah it was a crazy game wasn't it i mean i i was playing football last night and i've I seen it uh seeing it when i finished um it was 2-0 i thought well well that's everton that's everton gone really they've not shown any um sort of free scoring goal scoring um prowess that would that would help you that would make you think you know they're going to come back from this but it was just the the occasion i think they all knew i'd love to be in that dressing room at half time and, and see what see what frank lampard said because um, I, it, well, it had to be something. Maybe he wrote a strongly worded letter to the PGMOL like he has been all season, <laughs> praying that, uh, that that they can stay up. But yeah, it's um a hell of a result for them. And um, I'm not entirely sure about all the celebrations, but the relief is is one thing. But um, yeah, I mean, celebrating, celebrating like that is is like I'm not saying don't celebrate, but I mean, the pitch invasion, and then that knobhead attacking Patrick Vieira as well is just, yeah, it's just ridiculous.
2: Yeah, well let's get let's get on to that. Let's get on to that now. As soon as you brought it up, and Jim Salverson in the group chat last night turned into Roy Keane, um, suggesting that the Everton players shouldn't be celebrating; they should be embarrassed. But as you say, the relief that was felt, uh, I'm sure. Was a, was a cause for, for celebration rather than the fact that they're, they're celebrating Premier League survival because Everton should never be in that position. And I totally agree with people that think like that. Um, but there was a, a pitch invasion. Vieira got... I need to be careful what I say here because I'm not condoning what Patrick Vieira did. But equally, I don't want to condone what the fan did. If you've not seen this, by the way, obviously after Everton got the result, they won 3-2. All of the Goodison faithful spilled onto the pitch, mobbing the players. Um, but the Crystal Palace... Um, players and management team are on the pitch as well, as you'd expect. It's, you know, it's a game of football that's just happened. They've not just legged it down the tunnel after they've been beat. And um, some Everton fans, or at least one of them, thought it would be a good idea to get in the face of one of the hardest midfield players the Premier League has ever seen, um, Patrick Vieira, the Crystal Palace manager. And uh, basically, he was he was giving him a middle finger. He was sticking his middle finger right in his face. And when I say right I'm in his face... I'm recording him at the same time. I'm recording him, yeah. And, and while I say right in his face, I don't mean six inches away I mean he's right up against him I just think that if I was Patrick Vieira I would have done something similar because Vieira ended up like I say I've got to be careful what I say here but he got roped into hitting a fan basically he reacted he saw the red mist he flipped and he ended up grabbing the fan by the scruff of the neck who absolutely bricked it by the way as soon as Vieira turned around and grabbed him he thought oh no Um, And then Vieira decided to kick the fan, which is unacceptable. Then some other Everton fans came in and there was a bit of argy-bargy and then it kind of died down a little bit. For me, that was shocking and it puts a a bad taste in the mouth, particularly after what we've seen in some of the playoff games. I was watching as well the end of the Port Vale-Swindon game last night where Port Vale won a penalty shootout and some of their fans ran on the pitch and started getting in the face of Swindon fans. We saw Billy Sharp get attacked. In a, in a championship playoff semi-final, he got severely headbutted and needed stitches by a supporter. What is going on? People can run on the pitch, even though it's not allowed. I can understand it to celebrate. It's been happening in football for years, but why do some people think they're untouchable, Ian? Why did that person think that they could get in the face of
3: Patrick Vieira and suffer no consequences? I don't understand what's gone on with football. It's been it's been building up over years this pitch invasion business, and it's like, oh, everybody on the pitch, if. You know, if we win the league and all, and yeah, it happens. Right. But it, it is now in this, you know, in this day and age, it's got to be a danger because unfortunately, there are some fruit Loops around um, who endanger people. And we've seen that even this week with, you know, Billy Sharp and the guy that did that's been dealt with quite rightly. And he's in, in jail for six months now as a result. Um, it should just not be allowed. You know if you oh, can't control the mentality, yeah, but why can't you control your emotions so much? I'm just looking on Twitter here, I've, I've googled pitch invasion just to see if i and, and somebody's saying here, anyone who, who, unless your club goes through premiership relegation, you don't understand the significance, and so they had every right to go on the pitch. No, you don't, right? That is an, an, an area that you don't go in, right? Simple, yeah, you stay in your flipping seat, that is that is the drill, yeah, you don't run on the pitch. If you run on the pitch at any yeah. other point in the game, you get dragged off and you you're in the, in the clink. That's how it works. Yeah, you're
2: banned from a stadium.
3: They've just yeah. and I get
2: it. I I do get it to an extent because I know I, I do understand. It, it, stuff, it is but... illegal. It is illegal to run on the pitch. I know that, and I'm not naive to that. It, what I don't understand, Ian, is people that say what you've just said to quote that tweet. You don't understand the feeling. The first thing I would want to do is run up to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, hoist him on my shoulders, and carry him around Goodison Park like a king. Not run up to Patrick Vieira, the opposition manager for Crystal Palace, who've got nothing to do with Everton, really. There's no rivalry re- rivalry there. There's no hatred there. There's, there's nothing between the two clubs, really. And get in his face and start giving him the big one and start attacking players Hello. from the other team. I find that mentality absolutely baffling.
3: It's... It's it's morons, Nile. That's what it is. And football has always attracted them. It will continue to attract them. And people use it as an excuse to meet up and just forget their common decency that they have in the rest of their lives. Um, and you see it. And I was in London um, at the weekend. I was walking through the West End because um, I'm kind of like a, you know, thrill-seeker like that, and, <laughs> uh, and you just see the mobs of guys in a pub and the way they were acting. I mean, I wasn't in the pub, but they were like spilling out onto the pavement and all that, the Chelsea fans or Liverpool fans or whoever. The, London was full of football fans of one description or another. And you just think you would not act like that in front of your friends, you know, your normal friends, your family, or, or at work. So why do you just act like a complete Neanderthal for the 90 minutes that a football match comes on? you know it's like you're, yeah. you just lose all it's your embarrassing. it's embarrassing. it is it's, it's, it's just like you go you go to um NFL in uh, in a, you know in America you go to an NFL match i've been to some of the biggest rivalries in the NFL i've been to a Dallas Cowboys game and I, they were it was against Philadelphia the two sides don't particularly like each other was there any trouble no not even a jot of trouble. Everybody's civilised. They're having a nice barbecue at the back of their car because that's what they do, right? They have trailer parties. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, there was banter between the two fans, but it was never threatening. It was never, never did you feel that I don't want my kid here. I wouldn't take my daughter to a football match. I went to watch Sunderland um, play uh, Sheffield Wednesday the other week and um, I I not want my daughter there. You know, she wants to go to the football. She's at school right now, wearing a Sunderland strip because they're having a red and white day because of the playoff final and stuff this weekend. She loves it, but I would never take her to the Stadium of Light because it's just full of idiots. I'm sorry, it is. I would take yeah. her to a um, a, a, I would take her I to a. I could have women- told you that, mate. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should well, never put your daughter. In, you should
1: never put your daughter in a Sunderland kit anyway, because the child services will be out you. You'll, be in, you'll not, be in jail with uh, Billy Sharp. Well, yeah, I, I,
3: I live in Sunderland council area, it's all right, um, but. Uh, <laughs> But I wouldn't. But because of the threatening atmosphere, you know, police horses, dogs, people shouting and screaming, mm. I would take it to mm. a, a women's game, all like right, an under twenty ones or something like that. But not to a, a league match. It's just, it's just a shame that it's ruined by yeah. these people, and we don't want to go back to those days in the seventies and the eighties. It's quite funny that we're
2: here on the morning after Everton have stayed up, and I'm actually quite happy that Everton have stayed up because I've got um, quite a few sort of people i know that support everton and i'm happy for them and i think they're a great old traditional club so i'm quite glad to see them stay up but it's quite telling that we're here the morning after they have stayed up and we're talking about fans running on the pitch marley and patrick vieira getting you know sort of accosted by a fan and then giving him a boot up the backside so what's your take on it all
1: um it's i just think it's it's weird in it it's a weird mentality again it's um it's I can't, I, can't, I can't really say, I can't really say what I what I properly think but I think it's um <laughs> well, say what you think Marley <laughs> we've got a bleep button no it's uh, no I'll just get people coming for me so uh, it's it's one of them um just I don't understand the mentality of it um I be happy be happy in that situation I get that but also you've stunk the place out you've stunk the league out in the 30 of the last games or you know you what, what, they won seven, eight games, something like that. I feel like there's almost another way to do it. And a pitcher vision, like, I, I get the scenes, I get the limbs in the end. That's when Calvert-Lewins heads uh, heads that ball in, in the second half, like five minutes from the end. I get that. I get the uh, the emotion that goes through you in that moment. But, you know, like you two have just said, you know, coming onto the pitch is an entirely new thing. I think if you win a league um at the end Against like let's say City win it against Villa for example this weekend, and City fans make it onto the pitch. Like it'll all be happy, or it, sh- it should be. Like it it won't be. Yes, we've beaten you, and you know you're all pricks, and therefore it'd be like it'd be more like people getting on the pitch trying to rip up a little bit of the grass and putting it in the pockets and stuff like that, and uh, and taking selfies and things. But when it's when it crosses the line, I mean. Neither of these Nottingham Forest fans, who, the Nottingham Forest fan who headbutted um, Billy Sharp, had any reason to do it. They've got nothing against Sheffield United as a club, but like, yeah. and Billy Sharp used to play for Nottingham Forest. To, you know, to make this case even worse. And then Vieira, who's had nothing to do with um, with Crystal uh, with Everton in his career, in his playing career, in his managerial career, um, you know, he, he gets. I don't know what the word is, accosted or uh, provoked by the fan. And he gets what he deserves because Vieira could Vieira could quite... I think he'd done quite well, to be fair. He, he clipped the guy in the leg. He didn't properly boot him he sort of tripped him as he went away just just to kind of embarrass him which it which was funny but he could have easily just dropped him where he stood you know Patrick Vieira is a a big fellow and he played in a very physical time Um, and he I'm pretty sure Patrick Vieira can handle himself so you know that kid's lucky he didn't end up with a broken jaw
2: for me the telling thing is the fan completely bricked it when Vieira turned around (laughs) Almost as if he thought that Vieira wasn't able to touch him. in real life. Almost as if he thought of, like to in and, almost like you think, oh, Vieira yeah. isn't going to do that. He can't. He's not allowed. It's, it's ridiculous. We've built up this kind of mentality where people aren't allowed to do certain things and therefore they feel that they can get away with stuff they can't get away with. And it's only something really that we've seen in the last season or so. Because I've been involved in pitch invasions where not I've run on the pitch personally, but I've been in the stadium where pitch invasions have happened. Involving my own club, actually, when there's been promotions... Uh, And title wins and stuff. The the last thing you're thinking of is going up to the opposition team and giving them abuse and giving them stick. I just don't understand it. I I totally don't get it. Anyway, we should move on from this um, and and condemn those who, who sort of behaved in a way that they absolutely shouldn't have done. Congratulations to Everton. And congratulations must go to Frank Lampard as well. Lots of people are praising him. He's kept them up. But some say that even congratulating him is going a bit far Marley. They were above the drop zone when he came in. I think they were 6 points above the relegation zone upon his arrival and he's kept them there. But if anything they're slightly worse off in terms of points. So do you understand this uh, fanfare around Lampard and the job that he's done there?
1: Uh I do yeah because it's you know he hasn't he hasn't done anything. <laughs> he's took Everton from 6 uh, 16th to 16th. After taking Derby from sixth to sixth and Chelsea from fourth to fourth, like he hasn't done anything in his career. But this whole like, like for for the rest of today, you're gonna see this narrative that Lampard, you know, the future is bright under Lampard, and you know we'll we'll be great next season and all the rest of it. And you know, there's there's no evidence to suggest this at all. Um, He's not done. Much he's done the bare minimum, and to be honest, with with the games he should have, uh, with the games they've played, he should have done more. He, I, the Everton should never have gone into the penultimate game of the season needing a win, and then go two nil down, and then you know come back and 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 scrape it and pull it out the fire sort of thing. But fair enough for doing it, you know, great achievement. But I don't think he's enhanced his reputation at all because he's he's lost way more games than he's won, um, and. For me, he's just, you know, he's, he's got a lot to prove, put it that way. Mm.
2: OK, well, Everton are going to be playing Premier League football next season. After being 2-0 down at the break, they came back in the second half to beat Crystal Palace 3-2 and as such secure their survival next season in the Premier League. They'll be there. Will Burnley, they took on Aston Villa last night and we'll talk about their game next. <laughs>
0: Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Go to your happy place For a happy price Go to your happy price price Priceline Football's Social Daily Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk
2: this is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. The morning after a night in which Everton secured their Premier League status for another year. But Burnley weren't able to do so. They were held 1-1 at Villa Park by Aston Villa. They took the lead an Ashley Barnes' penalty. But they were pegged back by Emi Buendia as the tie or the game finished one apiece. They could only manage to draw the clarets. That puts them level on points with leads. I guess you were quite avidly
3: supporting Aston Villa last night, Ian. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, didn't quite work out um, the way we fully hoped, uh, because if Aston Villa would have won, obviously that would have meant that even if, um, well, it would have meant that it would have been a lot easier for Leeds to stay up potentially, um, You know, even if it a draw, whereas now Leeds really have to win, not knowing, of course, what the result will be because they're all playing at the same time. Um, so it changes it from that regard, um, but yeah, it's um, it's not a great situation to be in uh, as a Leeds fan. But uh, at least there is hope. You know, it could have been it could have been done and dusted, uh, couldn't it? Last night, really, uh, if uh, if if Burnley had have thrashed Villa and uh, and obviously Everton getting the win, you know, that could have been it, really. Yeah. Yeah, psychologically, would have been a, a damaging
2: blow for Leeds, wouldn't it? But it did finish one-one, and and do you know what? It could have been an Aston Villa victory, quite conceivably. Yes. But Nick
3: Pope, the Burnley goalkeeper, was unbelievable. He was, and and great, couple of great saves, um, certainly in the in 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 the early stages. But that said, Burnley had their chances as well, and so you could you could argue, you know, it, it definitely could have gone either way. Um, but um, yeah, I think. Villa probably will be the, the team ruining that they should have done better more than than Burnley on on balance of the chances, but uh, it all comes down now to to Sunday, doesn't it? And and that's where it sets up. And really, who would have thought that out of all of this situation, we you know we've been looking at the relegation situation for the last what three or four months, really, you know, since Christmas, that it would all boil down in effect to Chris Wood. <laughs> <laughs> who's got a link with all, th- all three teams involved so he's uh, you know he's, he's, he's the man like, he's also got a hip injury <laughs> yeah. he's not
1: playing
2: uh, he, he might be back he might be back but imagine uh, if he scores yeah. against i would read he was playing to relegate his old team after Newcastle pinched him so many little mini well, narratives I mean, what, and
3: threads through this final
2: day of the what, season
3: whatever happens he's going to relegate his old team Yes,
2: fair fair point. (laughs) One of them is going to drop between Leeds or Burnley. Just going back to Nick Pope though, Marley, we talk about players stepping up to the occasion and your big players needing to perform when it comes down to the, the real clutch and down to the wire moments. Nick Pope has pulled off some unbelievable saves last night, but because of the context of the match and the season and the stage of the campaign that we're at, it makes those achievements even bigger.
1: Yeah, big time. Yeah, I think his his header from Triore is his header. His save from Triori's His header was was fantastic. Um, he made a few more as well, and it was like, I think Villa would have. I think if that was like midway through the season, Villa would win that three or four one as they probably deserve to on the on the basis of the match. I think um, Burnley had sort of ten men behind the ball for the last twenty minutes, and they were they were hanging on and trying to. Hit on the counter attack if the opportunity presented itself, but Pope was massive. I just thought he's, he's, his his uh, his performance level just rose to to probably the best he's played all season, and he has been good all season. To be fair, I think, you know, it gets overlooked by the fact that Burnley have been terrible, but Nick Pope has been very very good, um, and so has Pickford in the in the Everton uh, race against relegation. You know, the two English goalkeepers stepping right up and and playing some of their best football and producing some ridiculous saves so um he was probably central because he, he knew that a point is massive you know Burnley. if Burnley got beat last night they would have to win at the weekend whereas now they can they can draw um conceivably and hope uh Leeds don't win um down at Brentford. so it's um it was a big big performance from him and uh
2: fair play yeah, certainly was a massive performance. Burnley had some question marks over whether they should have had a penalty for an Emmy Buendia handball. It wasn't given these are the moments which some teams will look back on at the end of a season and say, if only that had gone our way, we might have stayed up. Obviously, we have VAR for a reason to kind of alleviate those arguments, Ian. It was a close one. I'd certainly say that. But do you think they have a point? Do you think that they should have had a penalty?
3: <sighs> have a look at it. It's it's hard to say, you know, <laughs> It's certainly not a stonewaller, as you would say. And uh maybe they've just gone with the benefit of the doubt. At least you have got VAR and we're not analyzing well we are analysing it the day after, but we're not analysing it the day after thinking, well, you know, the officials should have seen this or whatever and They've made that decision that's what VAR's there for um I think unless it's a a, a huge error they they tend to stick with a decision that the referee maybe was erring on at the time don't they uh, you know when he blows the whistle if if the referee was not a hundred percent convinced and VAR's not a hundred percent convinced they're probably likely to to stick with that decision i guess conversely that if it is so close if the referee had have blown for a penalty and they'd reviewed it they may well have just gone with that as well you know it's it's one of those 50 50s uh hard to say really but it's 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 good to still have a little bit of of controversy in football isn't it you know the VAR the big worry with VAR was it's going to take all the fun out of it and it's, it's going to be you know everything's going to be black or white whereas we have still got these discussions to have of whether it was or wasn't a penalty so it's good to see that VAR hasn't hasn't wiped that side of football out.
2: Yeah, and VAR was also involved when Paul Tierney pulled out a red card, Marley, for Matt Lowton's challenge. Um, He went on a little bit of a run and his touch was heavy. The ball got away from him. He did get a touch on the ball, but he ended up kind of Dropping his studs onto the the Villa player's Achilles in the top of his ankle. We've seen a lot of these kind of red cards recently. It did go to VAR, but there allegedly wasn't enough evidence to see it overturned. Much um, to the disappointment of Burnley faithful.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, it was one of them typical ones we're seeing. That we're seeing it a lot, aren't we? In in uh, Premier League football this season, and and down the leagues or wherever may have uh, have VAR. It's uh, one of them where you get punished for winning the ball and that's always gonna to be tough to take when when you' clearly and and obviously get the ball first and then you follow through you know makes contact with someone's ankle higher up than than the boot it's um it's always gonna it always looks bad on replays and especially when you slow it down but you know how how can Loughton not get his boot out of the way it's just to follow through from a kick like football is about kicking the ball he, he kicks the ball I know it's a heavy touch and he's slightly out of control but if you're out of control and you win the ball you know what more can you do really you can't really I mean the, the time it takes between making contact with the ball and making contact with Callum Chambers foot is you know it's barely measurable it's like a, it's not even a tenth of a second it's it's so so quick that how can he how can he then change the direction of his foot it's it's a really harsh one to um to to take and a three match ban is for for decisions like that is is far far too harsh in in my opinion I think if you if you go around and headbutt someone three game ban absolutely fine but I think they could they could do with being a bit more um lenient in the way things are punished these days and I think Chambers wasn't massively hurt I mean it did hurt and it'll be stinging this morning but it didn't break his foot his foot wasn't planted um and, you know, it was it was harsh for Loughton to take, I, I, would, uh, I would think.
2: Burnley could well have won it at the end. Wout Veghorst missed a really good chance. Tyrone Mings came flying across the block. Have to say it was a good block. But when it was cut back to him, I think the board actually bounced off the post. I think it came back to Barnes, who cut it back. And the big man was there, Ian. You pay money for a striker to replace Chris Wood. You know that it might not work out but you'd expect him to be putting chances away from eight yards with pretty much half an open goal in front of him. Credit to Mings for coming across to block it, but he'll be replaying that chance over and over and over again in his head, particularly on Monday morning if on Sunday afternoon Burnley go down. That was a huge opportunity.
3: Yeah, that was their opportunity they needed, wasn't it? And and sometimes, though, in, in football, I suppose, you know, these these little things can can have a a big bearing on on the future can't they and uh you know was that a sliding doors moment was that a chance that Burnley should have put away as you say that they'll be looking back on with uh you know uh, with with regret on on Monday morning but uh he's obviously Chris Wood's moved on um Weghorst has not been as prolific as Chris Wood you know he's a big unit he's a big you know sort of stature wise he's he's bigger but he doesn't seem to be um, contributing as much to the to the Burnley uh, fortunes as, as much as Chris Wood did so I don't think Burnley have really traded up there and uh, I mean, as a Leeds fan, I, I can't talk about strikers missing hatfuls of chances. I mean, I can't talk about strikers, to be honest, because we've not had, think of, had one for much of the season. But, uh, uh, you know, it, yeah, it, these, these are the moments that, that make and break your season. And as a striker, when it's your job to, to put those kind of things away, yes, players are going to get in, in the way and, and have a block. But, you know, he's, he's, it's about more than just the one game. And, you know, he's, he's not been uh, particularly prolific, despite being a big old unit. He is a big old unit. Villa one, Burnley
2: won. Final score last night. It goes down to the final day of the Premier League season. Burnley and Leeds United both on 35 points, but by virtue of goal difference, Leeds are currently... In that bottom three, 18th place, that final relegation spot. We'll talk about that in a bit more detail next, but we'll also discuss who we think will win the Premier League title. It'll be between Liverpool and Manchester City, and we'll do that next.
0: Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport social.co.uk.
2: that's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
2: Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social, an award winning show. And of course, you can hit subscribe and that way you won't miss another episode of the podcast again. Only a couple of days left of the season. We'll have the dugout featuring Matt Jarvis and Trevor Stephen. Two players who know exactly what it's like to go into these final day situations with relegation and title deciders on the line. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about now, because the top flight title for this season, 21-22, is yet to be decided. It will be between Liverpool and Manchester City. City currently lead the way. They are top of the table. They have the points advantage over Liverpool and they welcome Aston Villa to the Etihad Stadium. I had to rack my brains then to try and remember who it was. They welcome Aston Villa to the Etihad Stadium whilst Liverpool host Wolves at Anfield. So, Marley, who's going to win the Premier League title and why is it going to be them? Uh, Man City are going to win the Premier League title because they're going to beat
1: Aston Villa. (laughs) That would... (laughs) That would be my prediction. Um, I can see them both winning, to be honest. I think Liverpool will um, Liverpool win their game uh, against uh, Wolves, I think it is. Yes. And yeah. uh, I think City will... I'll we'll get past Villa. I think the the um, the narrative of Jack Grealish winning the winning the title against Aston Villa mm. is, is brilliant, to be fair. Uh, but there's
2: also the narrative of Steven Gerrard, the Liverpool legend who's the Villa manager, beating City yeah. and, and possibly yeah. handing Liverpool a title. So, like I was saying before, there's so many sort of mini threads through this season which have kind of come to make a nice little end to the season.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny how things work, isn't it? You know, you've got one end of the of the league you've got Chris Wood who can relegate his former sides and the other end you've got Grealish potentially uh, you know, winning the title against Villa and then Gerard potentially stopping it from from the team uh, he, he is so sort of revered at. But it's um it's gotta be interesting. But I feel like the actual action is not going to be that interesting because City will I think I think they'll just outplay Villa and get an early goal and then you know, rather than tuning into Match of the Day, where you've got that little montage of, you know, you know like Villa score and then Wolves score and then Liverpool score and then City get two and it goes backwards and forwards. I can see it just being both sides were two 0 up within twenty minutes, <laughs> and uh, it was cut and dry and nothing was ever really on the line. But <laughs> it is what it is. Still, City fans won't care. Um, they, I think they'll they'll do it and they'll stop uh, Liverpool winning the much feared quadruple.
2: Yeah, certainly it would take uh, um, an Aston Villa victory um, or an Aston Villa draw against Manchester City and then Liverpool to beat Wolverhampton Wanderers for them to win the title. But for for City, it's pretty much a cup final, isn't it? You win against Villa, and you win the title. So are you with Marley? Do you think it will be the blue half of Manchester which uh, retains the trophy this season?
3: Yeah, I think you'd have to be a brave person to, to bet against that, you know, especially considering what's on the line on that one game. Um, Man City are, are going to bring their their A game to this one, aren't they? And uh, you know, you know, they, they're going to feel the full force of of everything that Man City can throw at them. Um, and with Liverpool, you know, Wolves are one of those tricky sides that that might just sort of go out with a bang and and maybe make life a lot harder for Liverpool than than they'd like. And I can see, for some reason, my my gut feeling is, which is never always right, by the way, but my gut feeling is. Uh, that, you know, if Wolves get a draw there, obviously that that makes things um, academic at the top of the table anyway. But I can see that happening. You know, I can see that Liverpool maybe they've got that pressure on them uh, to to they have to win really um, to have any hope, and Wolves making life hard for them.
2: Let's move on and turn
3: our attention to the top
2: four now. It's a similar situation than what we see at the top of the table. Um, It's Arsenal and Tottenham. Tottenham in pole position after Arsenal have lost their last two games, one of which was to their North London rivals, of course. So it looks like Spurs are going to be the side who um, take that fourth spot. They've got Norwich at Carrow Road. So Norwich away on their final game Sunday, 4pm, whilst Arsenal have got Everton, who have got nothing to play for now. They have survived, they've stayed up. Would have been more interesting had Everton not got the victory against Palace and therefore had gone to Arsenal with one side looking to stay up and one side looking to finish in the top four. Uh, Is it a similar situation to what we see with Man City and Liverpool and and the fact that you're plumping for City, Marley? Are you similar with your thoughts on Spurs? Because they have the advantage and you'd argue they have an easier game away at Norwich than what Arsenal have got.
1: Yeah, for sure, yeah. I can... um... I think if you look at the Arsenal game and say they've got Everton, like you can make a case for for Arsenal, like nicking nicking the the fourth uh, fourth place, but not not when you take into consideration that Spurs have got Norwich. Unfortunately, I think Norwich have have uh, showed the initial promise under under Dean Smith and and improved um, quite a bit. I think he's got all, but I think it's two or five of their points uh, this season, so. I think he's done as good a job as he can, but ultimately Norwich are always going to be the 20th best team in the Premier League because they haven't got enough money to spend their way out of things and I don't think they've got much of a hope against a motivated um, Champions League touching Spurs because Conte has got them playing as he wants now. I think the the defeat to Burnley was actually a pretty good thing way back in, um, was it was it December? I think it might have been. Um and you know when he when he practically nearly quit after the game, I think that that galvanised them and you know got got behind them and eventually they played the long game, um, and drew drew Arsenal in and and done them in the North London derby, and then they've peaked at the right time. I think with Arsenal it was always up and down. I think you know the the way their their squad is is formed, that's what, you're always gonna get that. You're always gonna get. Um, Erratic performances and and strange things, and the fact that they've lot, they've drawn three games all season is is testament to that. Because if you go up and down and up and down, you you are going to get somebody who can find a bit of middle ground that will overtake you, and that, that's what Spurs have done this season. So to go into the final game needing you know just a point against Norwich away from home, I think there's there's not many teams in the Premier League that haven't took at least a point against Norwich at some point this season, but. I do feel a bit bad for Norwich because I I want them to finish nineteenth because I think Watford deserved to finish twentieth. I think yeah. Watford have... of I have, agree. Have, Watford have been worse, haven't they? Yeah, they've been worse. They've they've done the same thing that they always do. They sack the managers. They bring in a load of players no one's ever heard of and then look surprised when they're all absolutely <laughs> so. You know, they, and then they you know Roy Hodgson just sits there like a pensioner on a bus just watching the world go by and you know Norwich. Just can't. I mean, they only need a, a point. Uh, well, they need a win, but they're not going to get it at Spurs, and Spurs will look after the uh, the fourth spot, I think, for for next season. And Arsenal will have to put up with the the Europa League, which is still massive uh, a massive thing for them. They they can still go deeper in the Europa League than they ever could in the Champions League. So why not why not embrace that and and use it as a, a bit of a platform for next year?
2: Yeah, I'll be asking Matt Jarvis and Trevor Stephen, two former Premier League players, about Arsenal and whether if they finish fifth, is it a real big missed opportunity for them, considering the teams that might come back stronger next year. Tottenham will be stronger. Manchester United have a new manager. We don't know about Chelsea. West Ham could be up there again. Leicester could make a return to those top four uh, contention uh, positions. So, you know, who knows about Arsenal? Are you with Marley then, Ian? Do
3: you think Tottenham will do it and finish fourth? Yeah, I think uh, you'd be hard-pressed to imagine Spurs going down to Norwich. Um, Could happen, of course. Could happen. It's football. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a bit of a bit of a push to to imagine a world where Spurs aren't going to claim that Champions Um, League spot. That's interesting
2: though, because Spurs have had this reputation over the years of being, and I know Tottenham fans hate this, being Spursy in inverted commas, where they tend to bottle things or throw things away when they really shouldn't. They do things that you think, why don't you just have the guts and the spine to just get the job done? Now, Norwich away, they should be they should be beating them. But I mean, it, there's a history and, and a sort of a reputation that, that follows Spurs around that that they kind of throw it away in the big moments. Has that changed now with Antonio Conte? Has he almost got rid of that to an extent? Because no one is sitting here and going, well, Spurs have got a tendency to to bottle it, you know. Um, they're going to Norwich and almost everyone's saying they'll be fine. They'll get the job done.
3: I suppose with, with Antonio Conte, you've got that experience as a manager, haven't you? Who's been in and faced bigger tasks than visiting Norwich on the last game of the season to, to secure Champions League qualification, which may actually be mm-hmm. academic anyway, depending on what Everton do against Arsenal. I can probably see Arsenal um, smashing Everton, though, now that the pressure is off, Everton will probably switch off. Um, so Spurs need, what well, at least a point to to qualify if, if that was the case. Um, but, yeah, you'd, you'd fancy that Spurs now have sort of, despite not having the best of seasons initially, they seem to have got themselves going, don't they? <clears throat> you know, Antonio Conte seems to have settled down. The players seem to have settled down. Um, all this talk about Harry Kane leaving seems to have gone quiet now, especially with Man City signing Erling Haaland. I don't think you can see that uh, Harry Kane's going to be going there as well at this moment in time. So maybe that that all those situations have been talked out and, and turned around. I mean, there's still a bit of a battle for the top six, of course, as well, isn't there? Because... Um, West Ham and uh, Man United could uh, change positions yet as well uh, depending on what happens in their respective games. So there's that. I know it's I know it's sort of the the second rate uh, European tournament but there's there's still that to, to play for and Man United could find themselves not in Europe at all next season. We'll wait and see at the end of the season uh, who gets those European positions, but top
2: 4 looks like it's going to Tottenham according to Ian and Marley. And here we are then final one to be decided. We've touched upon it right throughout this podcast. Leeds or Burnley? Who is going down and why? I'll start with you, Ian, because I think I know what you're going to say. <laughs> but
3: what are, you, what are your thoughts heading into the weekend? Leeds have to win. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the main thought. Um, that's what's changed as a result of the, the game yesterday. They, they just have to
2: do their, their job, a bit like what we were saying with City and Villa. It's a cup final, isn't it? It's final game of the season against Brentford. Win and you give yourself the best possible chance of staying up
3: well yeah win is all they can do a draw's no good because they're going to have to you know they've got a 21 goal difference to overhaul so in order to do that they're going to have to win <laughs> uh, you know it, it, it could happen on the last day of the season i doubt it but you never know um yeah i mean for leeds the 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 conversation really that many leeds fans will be having is regards Bielsa, of course, Leeds sacked Bielsa. They brought Jesse Marsh in. Jesse Marsh has not had a chance to change any of the players or do very much because they made the change after the transfer window had happened. Um, and... uh, are Leeds
2: fans looking back at, at that decision, Ian? I oh know we, we aren't going to know. I mean, if he keeps them up, it's it's inspired. If he get takes them down, we shouldn't have got rid of Bielsa. So firstly, your personal perspective and just the general kind of Overview of of how Leeds fans are feeling about that change. Are, are there some people that are maybe saying that they regret the decision? Or
3: oh yeah, there's plenty saying that regret it. And I think if Leeds go down, there's going to be huge questions asked of the board, um, because really, the whilst Jesse March has he seems to be a decent enough guy, and I'm sure he's a good coach. I don't think well, certainly doesn't have that relationship with the fans yet. Um, but secondly, the, the changes that have been made, they really haven't... I mean, he shored them up at the back. That's about it. But the style of play has changed. It's, it's, it's been very difficult. And there are questions, and, and, and it's one of those that will never have the answer. But many fans think, well, if Bielsa had stayed, he would have turned it around. Leeds' fortunes have been hugely influenced by the injuries, it's not the fact that Leeds have played like Watford have all season and found themselves in this position. Leeds have played their second team for half of the season and found themselves here. That's that's the difference. They played most of the season without a striker, in Patrick Bamford, who's an out-and-out striker. You know, a, a, a top-quality, experienced striker. Um, he's he's only played a handful of games. The games he has played are the games that Leeds have won frankly um calvin phillips was out since what christmas only just came back a few weeks ago and so the injury list just keeps going and now we're getting players who are going stupid like getting sent um, off dan james ailing ailing, you know ailing and dan james yeah doing stupid things like that that doesn't help um but the injuries have been the thing that have done them in and yes people say well that's because of bielsa's training regime which was notoriously strict and tough uh maybe there is an element of that but um getting rid of him i don't think has necessarily changed it because you can you can tell i think in the reaction of players when a manager goes and some managers disappear from a club and you don't hear anything about it you know the players all of a sudden have this bounce and they're all happy again but you had this sort of outpouring of grief, really, that almost as if he'd passed away when he was sacked, you know, from various players um, and staff and, and people that were involved with Leeds United that he'd been sacked. And it, it was that tells you that actually he hadn't lost the dressing room. We're getting in this situation and Leeds have been here before where they're chasing the dream. And last time they did it with Peter Ridsdale investing ridiculous sums of money in ridiculous players. Uh, and, and this time, you know, they've got rid of one of the greatest managers Leeds have had. The question will always remain. W- w- was this was this the, the reason we find ourselves here? We'll never have the answer to it. And that's the other thing. You're never going to have the answer to it. Nobody's ever going to prove anyone right or wrong over it. Um, especially if they go down and, uh, you know, you, you, Leeds are going to have to come back in those couple of years while they've got the parachute payments if they don't do that then hey we're back where we started
2: 16 years away from the Premier League and after two seasons back it looks like they could be back down again
3: familiarity though you know uh, I I was watching the uh, I was watching the championship playoff um, semi-final with with Huddersfield um, and you know there was a small part of me I'll be honest a small part of me that kind of missed the drama of the playoffs a small part. Yeah,
2: um, I'm not sure I can agree with you on that. As a, as a fan of a side who has been in the playoffs a lot and never made it uh, through a promotion, yeah, um, I, I think my team's been in eight or ten playoff games, never won, never ever won a playoff yeah. semi final. So I cannot share those fond memories, albeit small ones, as you say. Um, Burnley, they've been in the top flight for a while, Marley. They could go down. Are you picking them for relegation? Um, or do you think Leeds will drop?
1: Uh, Unfortunately, I I think it'll be Leeds that drop. Um, I think the... Well, two reasons, really. I think the fact that Burnley only need a draw, um, potentially, if Leeds lose, Burnley only need a draw. Well, if Burnley lose... Sorry, if Leeds lose, Burnley don't even need anything, to be fair. But I think with with Burnley being at home and Leeds being away on the final day, I think that that really benefits them, because um, Burnley will have extra against Newcastle. I I still think we'll beat them to be honest, but um it's it's all down to Leeds. I, I can't it's not cut and dry. I think Leeds have got an easier game, but it's away from home and Burnley've got a harder game, but it's at home, so it's one of them where like who can who can embrace it the best because you know both teams have been poor this season. There's probably more reasons for Leeds with injuries and suspensions why they've been poor. Um, whereas Burnley have just sort of stagnated and, and then changed the manager in a, a very high risk move, but um, for me it's 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 Pickham to be honest. I think, but Burnley have got a, probably like sixty forty percent chance in uh, in in staying up. I think Leeds have got to go away from home, produce something that they've that they uh, yeah something big to beat Brentford, and they've got history with Brentford as well, having been in the Championship with them and. And things like that, Pontus Janssen against his old team, and <laughs> you know, there's there's plenty of, of little side notes to that game as well. But it's um, it's one of them where I, I hope Leeds stay up because um, I think they did they deserve another another shot at the top flight and, and and another summer to try and get a bit of depth in that squad, but. I feel I feel and fear that it's it's gonna be Burnley again, and we're gonna be on this podcast next season, seeing more about Burnley and how they how they've managed to survive, like the Boogeyman coming back for more and <laughs> stuff like that. But it is what it is. That may the best team win, I suppose. But I do hope it's uh, it's Leeds for for their sake.
3: There was a, a telling thing after the last Leeds home game where uh, it was noted that Calvin Phillips. Uh, Met his mum at the side of the pitch, and he took her for a walk out onto the pitch and stuff. And Rafinha was sat there by the goal for a while, sort of contemplating life and oh, stuff. Yeah. And you might have seen that picture of Calvin Phillips and Rafinha sort of having a laugh and a joke. Um, you know, I, I think that whatever happens with Leeds, that some of the the key parts of of the team that have brought Leeds to this. Well I say to this point of being relegated, but to the point of the Premier League and, and, and what they achieved last season are going to depart elsewhere. I mean Rafinha now is a regular in the Brazil squad. Um Calvin Phillips wants to be a regular in the England squad as he as he was and he you know fell out of contention because of injury. But with the World Cup coming up, you know, these guys want to be part of that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the final day is upon us. Sunday, the twenty second of May. All games kick off at four PM, ten. 10- Matches in total, all 20 teams in action, whether it's a dead rubber, whether you're going for the title, the top four or fighting to stay up, whoever you support, good luck at the weekend. If you are going to the game and you do feel like running on the pitch make sure you behave yourself. That would be our little message um, to to end this final Friday podcast of the Premier League season. Fergal Brennan will be back on Sunday dissecting every last piece of action from the final day shenanigans. And later on tonight, you can listen to myself alongside Matt Jarvis, formerly of West Ham, Wolves and Norwich and Trevor Stephen, who actually won a Premier League title. He won two top flight titles, in fact, with Everton in the 80s, talking ahead of this weekend's fixtures and how they see the final day going, but that is it from myself, Marley, and Ian. Appreciate you listening in as ever. We'll catch you next time on Football Social Daily.
0: Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.
2: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh.
2: Ah. <sighs> oh.